not mention this yet, but we have another guest in the house with us today. He's been here before, and we love him. Uh, Tan and I have known Sam Rockwell a long time. I think almost since we came into Foursquare over 20 years ago. Shortly after that, I found a picture of you this week. I should have saved when I dug out my, my office. It was from a Midwest District Conference and you looked a little bit different than you look now. I didn't, I didn't save it. I almost was going to put it up on the screen just to show you this morning. But we've, <laughs> we've, known, we've known Pastor Sam a long time. Sam is our district supervisor. Many of you know that. He was here in December when we went out to Eagle Butte with Pastor Matt and Pastor Margie Uses Knife, who planted out of destiny. Sam was here then, and he was also with Bishop Joseph that, that uh, weekend as well. We love him so much. Uh, he is actually the one responsible for appointing these new senior leaders that we have. And uh, I'm so thankful. Aren't, here, I, I want to say this, because when Tan and I, we came out of an independent charismatic church background. That's what we did before uh, we were a part of Foursquare. I was a part of a denomination when I was younger, but when we married, we were a part of independent charismatic churches. Nothing wrong, per se, with that, but we always missed out on that covering of protection and advice and counsel and direction. And we've been in Foursquare for 20 years. And let me tell you something, this is a great movement to be a part of. And it's because of this movement that we have leadership like Pastor Sam Rockwell, who helps us and Pastor Stephen Knoll, who was here. You remember Pastor Stephen, who was here to help us walk through this transition. They have been a huge help. They were the people we called when we knew we were beginning to walk through this. And they've walked us through it every step of the way. Guess who's going to speak to you this morning? You are so blessed to hear our friend. Please welcome Pastor Sam Rockwell. I'm good. Wow, what, an, what a fantastic service so far. Is this your water? It's half uh, gone, so I don't know if I want it. I want to swap, man. Maybe I have some down here. I think maybe I do. I might need some. A little water for a dry sermon. How about that? No, I don't think it's in there. That's eh, all right. When it gets really dry, bring me some up there. So I know you all know this, but it's worth reminding ourselves this morning that... Thank you, Pastor. I know you all know this, but it's worth reminding ourselves and celebrating the fact that this church has been blessed with great leaders. And of course, of course I mean Tana. Occasionally Brent. You know, Brent rises to the occasion to be a leader occasionally, and uh, we all celebrate that. Whoa, way to go. But seriously, not only do you have the best senior pastors that I know in terms of loving God and loving people and just brilliant talent and just dedication to what they've done. I mean, far above anyone that I've, that I've ever known. I mean, you can really celebrate that. The other thing is you have had great leadership all the way through your staff for the entire time that they have been here. Thank you very much. <laughs> It's a double portion today. And so I, not only do I want to thank them, 
Not only do I want to acknowledge that fact, uh, but I hope that you will also take just a moment uh, as you are, as you're celebrating, as, as you're also grieving a little bit. You know, whenever there's a change, we're going to talk about change today, there's always a little grief involved, and that's okay because things change, and um, when things change, we grieve the things that aren't like they used to be. Even if every, everything in the change is awesome, we still grieve the things that have changed. Are you all with me on that? Is it okay to say that? So having said that, I want to talk about this. Uh, the, the title up there is not exactly right. I told it earlier in the week to Brent, and he didn't get it quite right. So the actual title is What to Do When Things Change. So, um, thanks a lot, Brent, for getting it just right, you know. It's, it's something like how to change or something. Just put it up there. That's, that's what he said, you know. So, so, I want you to think about it just for a moment because the title is important. What to do when things change. Because the title assumes that things are going to change. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but if you're alive, things are going to change. Everything changes all the time. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting older. Uh, I'm almost 40 now. <laughs> and there are times I just think, can't we just stay the same for a while? Can't we just sort of enjoy? Just I just want everything to stay the same. I like it right here. Stop the world and let me get off. But th that, there's no such thing as that. If you're alive, everything is always changing all the time. And if, if you've ever had the thought, it seems like things are not only changing, but things are changing faster than they ever have before. Have you ever thought that? Well, let me tell you, it's not just you, and it's not your imagination. It's actually a documentable fact that things, the world, is changing faster than ever before. Socially, and technologically, and environmentally, and economically, and politically. Things that used to take years take months, and it, it's going faster and faster and faster. So hold on. Put your seatbelt on because things are going to change. Now, whenever the district supervisor shows up and says that, everybody thinks, what does he know? We don't know. Well, you're getting a new pastor, new pastors. And I know that that is going to mean that things are going to change. Now, I don't know that I have ever seen a more consistent more organic, more naturally spiritual transition than I've seen in the last few months. I mean, just enjoy that. Just breathe it in. Everybody just breathe in and just go, wow, that was really cool. Because often in church transitions, it's herky-jerky. But this one's been nice and smooth. And, and these people know the heart of this church. You know what I'm talking about? They know the heart of the founders of this church. 
And so you're going to have a smooth transition, but nevertheless, things are going to change. And the fact is, I bet if, if you take one moment to think about it, forget the church transition, forget your new pastors, think about your own life. Think about your primary relationships. Think about your job, your business. Think about your kids and your, and your parents. And your, how many of you can think of right now some sort of change in your life going on right now? Raise your hand. Oh my gosh. And the rest of you, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> of course you're in the middle of a change because that's what life is. So here's the question. What do you do when things change? Because you can't really prepare yourself for the changes that come at you. Some of them you sort of know are coming, but many of them you don't. The fact is you have to prepare yourself, you have to prepare your person for the changes that you can't predict that are coming into your life. Now that doesn't make change easy, but it does make it easier to be a person who is open and flexible and trusting and able to maneuver and navigate change in life. Show me someone who knows how to do that and I'll show you somebody who is relatively happy. So I want you to turn today in Acts chapter 3. Flip over there. I'm using the New King James Version. And before we read the story, which you've heard many times, we're going to read it sort of with, with change glasses on. We're going to read it through the eyes of how to anticipate and manage change because here's something I want you to notice if you know the Bible, love the Bible. And that is the book of Acts is all about change. So, turn to somebody next to you and tell them that because they don't know that. The book of Acts is all about change. Now the word change is not in Acts chapter 3. It's not in the whole chapter. It's not in the whole book. But think about it. Everything in the book of Acts is about huge changes. It's about going from the old covenant to the new covenant. It's all about the departure of the physical Jesus on the world. You think it's hard to let go of Tana. It is, I know, Brent, you know, we'll deal with that easily, but Brentana, think about it. The church is dealing without Jesus and his physical presence there. Think about that for a minute. Think about this. There are no written New Testament scriptures. They're no longer living by the ceremonial law or all the things that they learned as Jews on how to be spiritual. What they're doing is every single day, they're waking up with just this one thing. What is the Holy Spirit telling us today? Oh my goodness. How can you do that? Every day they're waking up just going, well, all we have is the Spirit of God in us to know what to do next. And not only that, 
but they're in a place where they're literally in physical danger because after all, they just crucified Jesus Christ. You know what I'm talking about? So everything in the book of Acts is about anticipating change and change is tangible in the air to the leaders of the New Testament church. Wherever they go, whatever they do, it's all new. Everything is being reinvented all the time. So Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 1, Peter and John. Is everybody all right? Is everybody okay today? All right, start with verse 1. Verse 1. So flip there, click there, scroll there. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Everybody say the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I don't got. I do not have, okay. (laughs) But I do have, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Everybody say, praise God. God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, notice this, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people and said, and he gave a little message. All right, are you following that? What do you do when things change? There was a... What was that? You roll with it. That's not bad advice, but that's not a part of my message. When things change, this isn't that sexy, but, but, but hang with me on the first point. When things change, be consistent. Here's the question. When things change in your life, what doesn't change about you? Because those things are the most essential things and rooted things in your life. That's why God causes a lot of change. Because in some ways, He's always lovingly trying to rattle us a little. Trying to shake us a little trying to sift us a little and find out what is in us that's really real and true and solid. Don't you love that about God? I'm good, God. Just don't bother me. 
You know, this is a beautiful story because it says Peter and John who were in danger. If I were Peter and John, I know what I would be doing today. Hiding. I would stay in my room. I would close the curtains and I would just get off Facebook. I mean, I would just be gone. I would just not even show up, not even in social media, Sean. Because they were in danger. It wasn't smart for them to even go outside. Are you with me? But what does the scripture say? It says Peter and John went to the temple to pray. Why? Why? That's right. Why does it say they did it? Does it say Peter and John got together and say, let's heal a man today? All right. Let's go forth to the temple and heal people. Let's do something spectacular. No. The scripture is very clear. They went to the temple because it was time to. Turn to somebody and say, it was time to. Things were going crazy and they went to the temple because it was time to. I mean, that's real. Woo! Woo! Who's following the Spirit today? Well, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. Why? It's time to. And that's it. And talk about transition. Talk about change. Talk about anxieties sort of churning in your belly. Like, you know, they're looking at each other going, we're Peter and John. Yeah, we're the apostles. What do we do next? No idea. We don't even have scriptures. All we have is the, <clears throat> the Holy, <clears throat> the Holy, <clears throat> the Holy, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Listen, when things change in your life, you got to bear down and decide who am I? And what do I believe in? And therefore, what am I going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to show up. You're going to show up. You're going to show up when it's time to show up. You're going to sit down with the Scripture and you're going to go, Lord, I don't even know what this means, but I'm here and you're here and I'm just going to keep doing this. All the stuff that really matters in your life is the stuff that you just keep doing. Self-love is not self-indulgence. Self-love is self-discipline. Oh, oh, I hate that. I want self-love to mean, well, I just felt like doing it and I love myself. <laughs> Do you ever talk that way to yourself? I really need a break today. <laughs> That's really not self-love. That's called self pity. And I'm saying that all of us are so susceptible to that when actually self-love is self-discipline. It's doing the things that I know God wants me to do. And most of those things are things that are regular. Things that are not sexy. That are not, woo! They're just stuff you do 
on time. I know that wasn't very exciting. But let me just tell you that that's what makes a great person. That's what makes a great church. That's what makes good leaders keep coming back Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You just keep showing up. Thank you for just keep showing up on time. And it's the, and it's the truth. The people in your life that make the biggest in, impact, when you look back, they're just the people that kept showing up. They're always there when it's time to worship. They're always there when you need something. And we just take them for granted, don't we? We don't have to worry about this couple because they're going to be there. Despite their own pain, despite their own problems, despite their own discouragement, they just show up when it's time to pray. Would you give your pastors another? Day after day after year after year. Now, we all know Tana drug print here every day, every time someone. <laughs> when things change, be consistent. Because a lot of things in your life won't change while other changes are going on. Those things, you just keep working them. You keep working them. Number two, when things change, you got to let God be God. When things change, that's when I like to be God. You know what I'm talking about? Because I don't know if you're like me, but once I start feeling a little insecure, you know, things start changing. You know, the ground starts kind of moving under my feet. All of a sudden, I want to be in control of things. I start feeling like things are slipping out of my... See, we live with this illusion like we can con control stuff. You know, like, like somehow we made the heavens and the earth and the entire universe revolves around me. Thank you. This is what my... I, I'm glad that Dee isn't here for this part because she always loves this part of the message when I give it. She's always like... She's waving her handkerchief. Yep, you think you're God, all right. But I'm here to remind you that I'm God. You know, so marriage is a constant battle that way. When things begin to change, I feel insecure and I want to hold on to things. When things change, uh, there is sort of an electrical current that starts being produced in my body starts called anxiety. And anxiety is, is like an electro, electrical current. I'm, I'm actually serious, emotionally. Have you ever bumped into somebody who was anxious? 
and you're having a good day, it's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and you walk away going, <sighs> you get in the car, you're honking at people. I'm all, all of a sudden, I'm full, full of fear, and I'm anxious about everything. And I think, what, when did that start? Well, I allowed an anxious person to just transfer their anxiety into me. You know, we do that all the time. We really do. And, and I don't know if you've ever had that experience of all of a sudden feeling sort of... <laughs> and then thinking back, why am I feeling this way? I'm not really sure. And you think back, and you go, so-and-so came by. We all have to be, you remember Christmas lights when we were a kid? The little single bulbs? Where if one of them went out, you had to change the whole stinking line of them. You know, the big old honking things you screwed in. And if they went out, that's a single circuit. Well, they don't even make those anymore. Now you can lose one and still the rest of them will work. Right? That's a, a something other circuit. I have no idea. Parallel circuit, I think is what they call it. He, he doesn't know. That's a problem. <laughs> it's a parallel circuit, isn't it? Yes. All these smart people over here know. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is run your life on a parallel circuit and let God be God. It's okay to have a problem, and it's okay to say, I don't have what's needed, and it's okay to be afraid, and it's okay to have anxiety, but we don't live in the lack. We live in the promise. And now, it doesn't mean that we don't confess the lack or the problem or the sickness or whatever it is. We're, we, we can live in the facts and still live in the promise. You, you know, are you following me? We don't have to pretend things. Like if you show up and you're obviously white as a ghost and vomiting, please don't tell us you're not sick. <laughs> if you're full of fear and you don't have the money to pay for things, don't tell us that you're just fine. But don't live in the negative confession. Listen to what Peter said. Silver and gold have I none. Now there's a verse I can relate to. Have you ever felt that? I mean, think about the situations that you face that you don't have control of. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money. I can't heal people. I, 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 I feel helpless. That's another thing that change does to us. It makes us feel helpless, and we don't like to feel that way because we really like to think that we're God, that we can just manage and control things. Peter says, silver and gold have I none. We don't have what it takes to deal with the problem, but what? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, heal. They live with an open hand. Everybody just take your hands and go like this. And go, this is how I'm going to walk. This is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to confess. This is how I'm going to walk through change. I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to live like this. 
It is okay if I'm not enough. It is okay if I don't have enough. It is okay if I don't have the answers. It is okay if I feel overwhelmed. Because God will get an opportunity to be God. He will do a miracle at the crossroads of the transition. We're talking about an intersection here in Solomon's portico. We're talking about the place where everybody was moving around, where it was an intersection. It was crazy and it was chaos. And it was there that God healed a man who could not walk. And God is doing miracles in the moments of change in our lives. It's the, it's the point when we're most uncomfortable. When the most faith has the opportunity to somehow leak through my hardened heart and touch God. What is the, what is the thing that you can't control in your life? What's the thing you can't control in your life? Would you just, yeah, not much. Hold them up, hold them up. God, be God. When things change, let God be God. Remind yourself right now, when the anxiety level starts to rise, when things change, we are going to say, God, You be God. You be Lord. You do something miraculous in the midst of my life, and I will not control it. I will be responsible. I will show up on time. I will do my job. But I will not control what I can't control. I will tell the truth about the facts but I will call on the name of Jesus to do the miracle that only He can do. Hallelujah. This church is all about that, Pastor. And so your best role is to keep an open hand, to always tell the truth, and to say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you can do that. Thank God that we can do the things that He's actually called us to do. And we can't do the things that often we put on ourselves to do. And that others put on us to do. It's always okay to say, I don't know. I ain't got none. <laughs> it's always okay. Because he's the miracle worker. Aren't you happy about that? Thank you, Jesus. One more thing. When things change, stand up and lead. Now you say, oh no, that's, that's the pastor's job. No, that's everybody's job. Everybody is a leader in their circle of life. Now I want to I point something out. And that is the revival always comes after the miracle and after someone stands up and explains the miracle. Because the miracle itself usually just causes a riot. You know, I go to churches, you know, we have about 140 churches, 
And almost wherever I go, pastors, people say to me, usually after the service, the most spiritual ones, say, you know, we're praying for a revival here in the church. And I always agree with that. I always say, oh, me too. Let's pray for a revival for this church. What I usually don't say is what I'm thinking, which is, if revival comes, you're not going to like it. (laughs) Which may not always be true, but it's just that little cynical thought that comes to my mind. That's all. I'm just telling you the truth. I leave tonight. (laughs) What do I mean by that? What I mean is that revivals in the New Testament happened right about the same time as riots and chaos and change and sometimes the death of the evangelists and apostles themselves. What I mean is when God does the miraculous, when things are upset, when things change, people go crazy. People, not any of us in this room, but others in other churches, like, you know, and people like Dee, my wife, they don't like change. I, I don't know, I like change as long as it's my idea. You know what I'm talking about? I always tell Dee, I love change, I live for change. As long as it's my idea, yeah. It's when I come home and she's pulled the toilet out of the, out of the, the floor and she's got it in the hallway. She does stuff like that. I come up, what am I supposed to use? Am I supposed to use this toilet? <laughs> Whose idea was it to renovate the bathroom? Well, it was my idea. It's about time. I said, well, yeah. That's not good change. So, so a man is healed, and he's jumping around, and people are responding to this, and there's like a rush of excitement and fear and sort of anxiety and nutsoid sort of things, and people start clamoring, and Peter immediately. Remember, why did Peter and John go to the temple? Mostly because it was time to pray. <laughs> they went to pray, but you know how you, you know, you end up praying because you go, right? You end up worshiping because you showed up. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you don't go to worship. You just go because it's time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It, th- there's something that says it's time to pray, and then when you get there, it's like when I go to the gym, I go to the gym sometimes, I play with my mind. I say, you know, I don't really feel like it, but I'm going to put on my gym clothes, and I'm going to go to the gym, but I'm not going to really work out. <laughs> but usually when I get there, I usually end up, it's the same thing. They went because it was the time to pray. Peter wasn't thinking in his mind, I'm going to get up in front of what would end up being hundreds and hundreds of people and lead them to Christ. He didn't think that through. But what he knew is people needed to hear 
what was going on and what God was doing. You know why? Because people always need to know that. And all the people in your world, not just the people here, all the people in your world need to hear a sensible, spiritual person in their life say something like this. Change in your relationships. Change in your job. Change in society. Change on the news. Change with your crazy boss. Change with your crazy employees. Whatever is going on in your life, someone needs to just stand up and not preach so much, but just say, you know what? I think this is what God is doing. Because people don't know what God is doing. Even when it's a good thing, people don't know what God is doing. And when anxiety, I want to go to that again. Anxiety is running through your family. You know what I'm talking about? It's like an electrical current. It's running through your church. What about that? Did you know? No! What about, no, anxiety runs through social media. Have you ever noticed that? Anxiety runs through our culture and fear. What's going on? Even when good things happen, there's a certain, you need to be the one who says, this is what, I'm not sure, I'm not God, but I think this is what God is doing. Is that right? Is that true? We all need to be those people who say, I know this is what everybody's saying. I know this is what everybody's feeling. I know there's this rush to this or that. But I think, I think God is in it. That is leadership. And that's the voice that brings revival to the miracle. Praise God. So, we're in the midst of change. If things aren't changing in your life, it's like weather in in Rapid City. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, today, we find ourselves as human beings in the midst of an era of accelerated change in the world. It's not our imagination. Things are changing faster than ever. And Lord, many good things are happening as well as many not so good and confusing things at times. But Lord, we are not tied to this world. We are not defined by this world. There is something else that anchors us. There's an anchor of the soul that gives peace and joy in the midst of the storm. And so today, Lord, when things change, we will be committed to the things that you have rooted us in. Today, when things change, we will let you be God. We will not be God. Our pastors aren't God. Our president isn't God. The economy isn't God. You alone are Lord. And we will open up our hands and let you do the miracle. 
And then, Lord, we will take the responsibility in, the, in our church and in our families and in the places that we live to say that God is at work, that God is doing something bigger than the daily headlines or the latest problem or tragedy, that God has a view of it all. And so today, Lord, you are the change agent. You are the one that brings deep change into our hearts and lives. And we say, yes, Lord. In fact, would you do that just very quietly? Would you just open your hands like I have mine? And you don't even know what they are yet. So I know it's risky, but whatever changes are coming, we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to go with the flow. I don't want to resist you. I want to flow with you. Would you say just yes, Lord? Just say yes to Him. He's so trustworthy. He's so faithful. We say yes to you, Lord. Maybe you're here today just for a moment with everyone's eyes closed. And you would say, Lord, I have been, I haven't been consistent. Or maybe it's, I've been trying to take control of my situation, and I know that's not the answer. Or, or maybe it's just, I, I, I've just been seeing all of this from a fleshly perspective, and I need to see God's perspective and speak that perspective. If any of those things are things you want to respond to, not to me really, but to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm hearing you today, would you just maybe raise your hand or just look at me right now? Just lift up your hands, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And this is your way of saying, Lord, I get it. I, you've got me in change. And now I've got you. Yeah, let's raise our hands in that. In that if that's you. If that's you. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Lord, bring your power to our lameness. Bring your power to our helplessness. Silver and gold have we none. But Lord, we wait in anticipation of your powerful presence and leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Pastor Sam. So we're going to ask the shops, Sean and Deanna and your kids, if you guys would come up. Let's make some room. Okay, I've been redirected, just Sean and Deanna. I needed one more direction as a senior pastor, one more (laughs) from the senior pastor. We'll have the kids come up in just a second. But if you guys would come and stand up here, go ahead. You can even go to that level and face the congregation. Tana and I have some special things we'd like to do, uh, some things we want to share with you guys. You want me to hold the mic for you? Um, I think I'm okay. Thanks. (laughs) I have have something I want to um, read, and I'll explain it a little bit. 
when we when we knew we were supposed to step down, um, like we we've said. Pastor Sam is the one who appoints the next pastor, but Foursquare also kind of allows us to give recommendation, and immediately we thought of um, Sean and Deanna. We just don't know anybody else that we would rather, you know, hand things off to than these two, so we recommended them, and then later I found out Sean had called Sam and asked um, if he would consider him. Um, but we weren't supposed to talk to each other. But then there did come a day when they said, okay, you can talk to each other, but we're still not appointing him. And so there was dozens of emails that went back and forth with questions from them and questions from us. And I want to read a portion of of an email that Sean and I shared. And I want to read it for two reasons. I want to remind um, them of how much we trust in you, how much we believe in you. And I want you as a congregation to hear our heart of, you know, why we recommended them and how much we trust in them. I lost what I was trying to do there, so I'm going to do it with the paper. This was Sean's question to me through an email. And I, I apologize, Sean, because he said, this is very personable, personal. <laughs> this is very personal, but why us? I said, good question. I think I would have to say first and foremost, we think you get it. I expect whoever comes in as the new pastors to make all kinds of changes. I would be disappointed if you didn't. And I believe you guys have the eyes to see what needs to be changed and a heart that loves enough so as to not throw everyone off the ship as you make the new and needed turns. I believe you're sensitive to God's timing. But more than that, more than anything else, I can think of, I believe you hold in your being the desire for and an understanding of the importance of the manifest presence of God. This is foundational to who you are and who destiny is. You understand that him showing up changes everything and everyone. You understand the importance of the power of worship to shift an atmosphere so he can ride in and manifest himself in even the darkest and most empty places. You guys believe in the moving of Holy Spirit, and you would not try to quench that. I know you believe in the power of prophetic words. I believe you will allow others to grow in this, but you will also be available to pray and to speak out prophetically. I believe you will always contend for the manifestation of physical healings. I believe praying in tongues will not be just tolerated by you, but it will be valued and celebrated. I believe you two love people well from all walks of life, and you know if they only get what man has to offer, they will suffer. Without Holy Spirit, they will not experience the best. I trust you to not only take Holy Spirit's present for granted, but always remember how desperate people are for him, and to remember that not everyone knows the way to experience him. Yet, I don't just think these are things that you will do, but we believe this is who you are, and that's what matters to us. And then I wrote this, and I'm not saying this to them today. This is what I said before they were ever appointed. I said, so if this isn't who you are and the direction you you see yourself taking the church, please tell us now. We don't want to plow, we didn't plow for 20 years and cultivate an atmosphere for the body of believers to experience this, just to turn it over to someone who's more concerned with and sensitive to human seekers than they are to the ultimate one who seeks those who will worship him 
in spirit and truth. I trust you with the people. I trust you to love everyone. I trust you with the children, and we trust you with the youth. We trust you to know and to understand how short the time is that we have to encourage them and to impact their lives. I believe you will make room for them and value, value what they have to say. I trust you to allow them to get up and to prophesy and then affirm them regardless of their delivery. Listen to their dreams and always tell them, yes, you can. Be agents that help them discover and release all that God has put in them so they too will be able to step into and walk out their destiny. Bottom line is this. We trust you guys. And we believe our relationship with you has been divinely orchestrated by God for his plans and his purposes for such a time as this. So hear me say that. We trust these guys. We couldn't be more excited with um, them, say, them saying yes to God and what's happening today. We know that their hearts are right and we believe in you. So I have two little gifts I want to give you. Both of, the, both of these has been in my office pretty much since we've had an office. And the first one is this just tiny little rock that we received right after church planters boot camp. That's what they used to call it. But they gave it to us. And it's, it's, it has spoken to me, um, I think, every week that we've pastored. And it just says, I will build my church. And I want that to be a reminder to you that, um, you know, to take the pressure off you, to trust him. It's Christ in you. It's your hope of glory. So I give you that. <laughs> and then I have another thing that's been in my office. And um, it's just a picture somebody gave me when we first started. And I had it in my heart. I didn't want just some little sick church of 10 people. And they all belong, you know, have the last same name or the same last name. I wanted a healthy, growing church. And someone gave me this picture. And on the back, it's from 1 Corinthians 3, 7. It says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So again, please just trust him to bring the growth and to know you're okay. You know what I mean? Just you're co-laboring with him, not doing something for him. And we're, again, we just trust you and we're so thankful you're here. Amen. So I'm too far from you guys. Get over here. Um, I felt like the God laid a, a scripture on my heart that I wanted to, to read over you guys and just to declare this over you. Um, it's from Paul, and he's writing it to Timothy, and Timothy is going to pastor the church that Paul planted. And I just felt like it was so appropriate for where we are. And it's out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read it, surprise, out of the Passion Translation. It says, Here's what, here's what I say to you. Paul says it to Timothy, but Tan and I say this to you guys. Instruct and teach the people. And I'm going to change Paul's words. I'm taking a little liberty here. I'm not going to say teach them all that we've taught you. I'm going to say instruct and teach the people all that the Lord has taught you. And don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. <laughs> Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love. I know you guys will. 
as you remain strong in your faith. Be diligent in devouring the Word of God. Be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers. And this really, this next part, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. For it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through the prophecy that they spoke over you. We've been blessed to hear a lot of prophetic words over you guys through the years. There's a little boy in that front row. That's a result of a prophetic word that I remember David Wagner giving years ago. Many prophecies that have been given over your life. Make all of this, these prophetic words, make this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so that everyone can see that you are moving forward. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth that you teach. For living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. People will respond to who you are. I already know that. They're going to respond more to who you are than what you say. But I also know what you say is going to flow out of who you are. Now, the next part, Paul gets no credit for because I wrote this. All right. No credit for him. He's good. He gets credit for First Timothy. This is me. Here's what I want to say to you guys. You have been prepared and equipped for this day. I believe it with my whole heart. This is the perfect timing of the Lord. I believe that with my whole heart. You are not alone. Tana and I, we are with you guys. We are all with you guys. In a relay race, uh, the one who has been running and the one who is about to take the next leg, you guys know that they run together for a season. And I'm committing to you guys to run with you, with you. But the baton is now yours. We are honored, and I mean this with my whole heart, we are honored to pass the baton of servant leadership to you. For you're the ones that God selected. He used us. He used Sam. But you're the ones he selected to lead destiny in the next leg of this race. So a few years ago, a lot of years, actually almost when destiny began, let's see what it says on these batons, actually. Sam, you might remember these things. I don't know. Yeah, you probably had to make them for Larry Spousta, right? You remember these things. Larry used to be our district supervisor when we started. And these are like from the year 2000 or something like that. They're, we, we were at a district conference, and we were given these batons to remind us. And on the batons, it says, increasing by releasing. That was our theme that year. And I want you guys to know that we're not just chunking the baton at you right? Well, we did it. Now let's see what you guys can pull off, you know, go for it. If you can pick that up and run with it. We're not doing that, okay? That's not how this thing is rolling, right? I also want you to know, go ahead and grab it, Deanna. It's not going to be like this. We'll see if you can pull us along. (laughs) She actually could win that. She could win that. I, I, I already know you could take it out of my hand. But it's not going to be like that. 
Um, we want to give you these batons. Our hands are only on them in the sense that our hands are there of encouragement. They're not there holding on to something saying it's ours. And you guys know this already. This church isn't ours. It isn't yours. It's Jesus' church, right? But our hands hold this baton in, in a way of supporting you guys. But this is your baton. So we wanted to hand these to you. Tana's going to give you hers, and I'll give you mine. That is your baton. And we want to pass it on to you guys. Amen? So, ready, Tana? Social media, Instagram moment. So, do you recognize this? (laughs) This picture of Sean Dennis. Is this like Sean's a senior? Is that what this is, your senior picture? Your senior picture. So the next part, I want to speak to you, Sean. I met Sean, I met you when you were maybe 14 or 15 years old. I'm going to tell the same story. This is what we do at family gatherings. We tell the same stories over and over again, right? That's what we do at my house when we get together. So I met you when you were 14 or 15 years old, and we were in Aberdeen at a conference at Wayne Beekler's church. And uh, I remember Wayne saying, or someone at that conference saying, I want you to select a teenager today, and I want you to commit to pray over them for the next year. You look around this room, and you see who the Lord places on your heart, and I want you to pray over them for this next year. And I remember looking up and seeing you play in the congas. And my heart, you know, only God can do this kind of stuff. My heart was drawn to you right in that moment. And it's like I knew, I didn't know what I know now, but I knew that there was a God thing happening. And so I remember coming up and meeting you. You were 14 or 15 years old. We lived in different towns. And, uh, oh, she's going to let you stand by me. (laughs) You trying to make us cry, Deanna? I thought if I had a barrier there. I could maybe make it through this. I don't want, if you were here Friday, we don't need that again. The, the gut, oh, 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 oh. okay. But I remember knowing that we were, you know, we, there was something that happened. And I came up, I met you, we talked, we exchanged information, and met your family, met Dennis and Liz, and went back to Pier. And over the next little while, you would come to Pier for the Newsboys Conference, and our concert, and we got to talk, you know, talk to each other, got to know each other, and I prayed for you, and I prayed for you. And then I remember the day, you know, you guys moved to Pier, and I was a worship leader, and you, you came on the worship team of that church where I was a worship leader. And I don't know how much longer we were in Pier, and I also remember Dennis making me move his refrigerator in, but that's another story. <laughs> But I remember, I remember that you and I, you know, we got to do worship together. And that was the beginning of our ministry life together. And so then when, when we uh, left Pier and we moved to Rapid City, you gave this picture to me. Or maybe it was your mom, most likely. Most likely Liz gave me this picture of Sean when he was a senior. And you, you should hold this so, you know, when people come meet you later, they can see. No, I'm going to keep this. You don't get this. This is mine. You don't get to have this picture. That's my picture, all right? I'm not getting rid of this. This is mine because I'm going to keep praying for you. 
But they gave us this picture. And even if you were here the other night um, during our fire conference, we watched that old video, the first video we ever edited, you edited, until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. We watched that old, old fire conference video, and it was our old house that we used to live in and our old refrigerator that we used to have. And if you watch that video closely, you'll see this picture hanging on that fridge. Because even... All the way through those years, this picture hung on our fridge. When you, we did, when you were at Christ for the Nations, this picture hung on our fridge. When you went to Living Waters Fellowship to be youth pastor, this picture hung on our fridge. And we prayed, we prayed and prayed for you all those years. We did not know we were praying for the next senior pastor of Destiny Foursquare Church. We did not know that back then when we would pray over this picture. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well... We've had the honor and privilege of leading worship together for a lot of years. And when you guys did come and you and Deanna became our youth pastors, and there's so much more to the story. I got to meet Deanna. I watched him make out at a lock-in. You knew it would come up. You knew, you knew it would come up, right? It's my last chance. It's my last shot at this, guys. And that was the source of implementing no lock-ins at Destiny. All that stuff is in. They were teenagers, and they were in love. And we got, I actually got to perform their wedding for them and to sing a song at their wedding. And we have deep history with Deanna as, as much as I'm sharing what I'm sharing with Sean. My heart is for you, Deanna. But Sean and I had the privilege of leading worship together when Sean came. And he's the voice on that album. He's written songs that are on that album. And we led worship together for almost a decade here at Destiny. And then every time you would come back, I would beg you to lead worship again. And any Christmas, I can remember sitting at that keyboard right there, and I would watch you lead worship and sing Christmas songs when you would come back to visit us after you guys had left Destiny for that, the last eight years, and you would come back and visit. And I would sit there and cry when you would come back and lead worship. And, I could, and this morning when I got up I, on my Facebook feed, I saw that five years ago today, you were right here and you were doing Crowns Down. Do you guys have a copy of Crowns Down, Sean's worship album? You should. It will be available in the church bookstore soon. It was five years ago today that Sean made this incredible worship album. I listened to it this morning while I was getting ready. That Sean made this incredible worship album, Crowns Down. And, and I can remember you mixing that album in the basement over there when you were back visiting during the summer and you were sitting down locked in the downstairs and you were editing and you were mixing and I would come down and talk to you and I would try to figure out a way to get you guys back here. How can we get you here? And then Jeremy Pummel stole you again away and so we didn't get you then. And I just, we, we always were scheming and dreaming. How could we get the shops back? I didn't know you would have to become our bosses to get you back. I didn't realize what it was going to take, but I want you to know I'm willing to go all the way to the bridge with this thing, whatever it takes to get you guys back, right? So <laughs> I know the service is running long, but this is my last shot, guys, all right? I just, I just, there's so much, you know, history, so much depth in all of our relationship, but I've had the, I've had the honor of leading worship with you, not only here, but all over different events. We recently led together at a, another Foursquare conference. We're going to lead together again at, at a Midwest District, Con Midwest District, <laughs> Gateway District Conference. We're going to lead together again, and we have deep history in leading worship. 
But I want to present you with another baton this morning. So a few years ago, we were with Manuel and Debbie Thomas. They're good friends of ours. You guys know the Thomases. We were at a conference, and they talked about passing the baton, but they talked about the baton in a different way. They talked about the baton as a conducting, as music, and how the, the baton was used in conducting, and, and melodies and harmonies and sounds were released as the baton was passed, and it spoke to my heart as a worshiper. And so immediately we bought these batons, and it's been something that I've treasured since we were at that conference. And I told Tana when we knew you were coming, I said, one of the things I want to do is I want to pass on. You, you guys, I'm still going to be a part of the worship team. You know that. We've talked about that. Sean, we've talked about it. I've shared it with you guys. But I am no longer going to be the primary worship leader because I trust you. I trust you to lead this house in worship. You're probably one of the, you are not just probably, you are one of the best worship leaders I know, one of the finest, most talented musicians I've ever worked with. So I want to hand you the baton of worship leadership, my bro. Yeah. I love you. Don't you love this couple? Amen. I know. Awesome. Come on. So awesome. So uh, I want to invite the, the uh, I call them kids. I, I told them Autumn and Cynthia on so, social media, sorry, you'll always be kids to me. But I want the PKs to come up. Let's have the shops come in. I want to invite um, Levi and the shop, and I'm sorry, the uh, Browns and the Waldrops, Diony, to come up because they've got a special presentation to make to the whole family. So you guys, come on, welcome the family. Yeah. So, Browns, Di, Levi, come on up. Your hands are full. Look at this. Do you guys want to share something? I think we're good. So, Di is going to present some stuff to you kids as a gift, and Browns want to present something to you guys. You want to say anything? Yeah. None of these people like to talk, but I do. And there is a moment, and I'm against dead air. So, no, I want you guys to know, you know, we haven't gotten to uh, uh, speak much about what's going on. But as a staff, we are so excited to have this family here. And um, we know that change happens. Um, we've been talking about this for months in, in staff meetings and getting ready. And uh, Sean, Deanna, I want you to know that we are behind you. We're here to support you. We're here to help you. We're here to see you succeed. Um, and kids, you get to be kids. We don't expect you to come and be leaders. If you want that, we will help you attain that. We'll help you learn what you want to learn, but we don't expect you to run this. That's their job. You guys just get to be kids. So I want, to, I want you all to feel totally free for the future, okay? That's awesome. Good word, Derek. That's a good word. So do you love these guys? Can I pray over them? So Levi's representing the church council, our youngest council member. And uh, 
<laughs> He's keeping us young. So this is some gifts that the church council put together for your family as well that they wanted to bless you guys with. Huh? Yeah, for Sean and Deanna. You, I'm not really ready for this, <laughs> but I'm doing it. It's awesome. All right, so I want to ask Pastor Sam if you'll come back up, and we'll turn it over to you for the last remaining portion of whatever you are going to do to actually install our new senior pastors. This is the moment. Now for the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Where's the little thing? Yeah, I'll do that later. All right. This is it. The office of a four-square pastor is a sacred trust given by our four-square church, our global four-square church, represented around the world in accordance with the will of God and the calling of God. And having been recommended by the district supervisor <clears throat> and approved, according to the bylaws of the church, the board of directors, the pastor shall. The pastor shall devote themselves to the worship of God, to the study of the word, to personal purity and maturity in Christian character. The pastors shall give themselves to the evangelization of their communities, striving for the salvation of every soul. The pastors shall, through preaching and teaching, teaching and servant leadership, dedicate themselves to the edification and maturing of each member of the congregation. The pastor shall nurture the development of spiritual leaders and enlist additional staff and help to do the work of the ministry. The pastor shall present the Great Commission, encourage financial prayer for support of missions and faithful participation in giving. Together with the other members of the council, have general responsibility for the business, financial integrity, and administrative matters of the local church. And the pastor shall represent and strengthen the God-given distinctives of the four-square gospel. And this is our charge. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. And as a response to this, Sean and Deanna, read it for the both of you. I would like you to respond right there. I give them the mic. Hereby I accept the office of pastor of the Rapid City 2, South Dakota Destiny Foursquare Church, and will, to the best of my ability, execute the trust now given, first by God and by the leadership of this church. It is my firm belief that in accepting this office, I am submitting to the revealed will of God for both our church and our calling. Stay standing, 
And would the council come up and anybody else, just the council, the church council? Please come up, church council, and everybody else remain standing. And I'd like for you to just stretch out your hands to this couple and your leaders. And uh, I know you're used to doing that in your church, stretching out your hands and praying. And by doing that, we're participating in this prayer. We're saying, Lord, not only bless our pastors, we receive our pastors, but we are all in with everything that we are and everything that we have and everything that we know to support them and to be there for them. So let's pray today together. Lord, we thank you for our leaders. Lord, we know that leaders in any community and especially in the church are open to attack and criticism, and all kinds of attacks of hell. But Lord, today we know that you are greater, and greater is he that, it, that is in us than he that is in the world. So today, Lord, we stand stretching out our hands, saying amen to what you have done. Lord, it is not the supervisor. It is not the previous pastors. It is not Foursquare. It is no man's work that affirms and confirms and calls a leader to the body of Christ. It is you. Lord, we affirm what you have said. We confirm what you have done. We celebrate and honor, Lord, what you have laid your hands on. So, Lord, you have laid your hand upon this entire family. Lord, they have been so faithful. They have been pilgrims in the land to move and to go and to adjust. Sean has always, Lord, been a submitted man, a gentle man of faith that believes in you first. And we thank you, Lord, for this couple and their track record of faithfulness, Lord. Lord, there's no surprise here. But Lord, today we pray that you would anoint them now and bless them, Lord, with gifting. Pray with me. Can I hear you, church? With gifting. Can I hear a murmur of praise out there? Would you pray out loud with me? Come on now. Yeah, there we go. Lord, with anointing, more anointing, Lord. More gifting, Lord. Are you with me now? Pray with me. Stretch out your hands in the name of Jesus. Through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for power and anointing and gifting and wisdom. Lord, we're not praying that things would just move along smoothly as they always have. We're praying, Lord, for growth. We're praying, Lord, for lost souls to come to Christ. We're praying for all of these surrounding communities that through this couple you would raise up apostles and prophets and shepherds and evangelists and teachers in Jesus' name. We pray that the spirit of worship, Lord, would rest over this entire community and this entire region. Lord, 
we pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And Lord, we thank you for this changing of the guard. We thank you, Lord, that you move and that you change, Lord. Lord. But you do not change. That your nature is always the same. So Lord, today we thank you for everything that you're doing in this beautiful church. And we affirm and confirm only what you have already done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What are these? Look at this. You got presents? Check that out. Check that out. Give it up for them one more time. Thank you, congregation. Thank you for your love for them. Thank you for your support of them. Thank you, Lord. Amen.